This is Speaking of Speaking. Quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and the speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. Yes, it's another edition of the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Here we are. Can you believe we're past episode 40? With this momentum, we're going to be at episode 50 by the end of the summer, which is very, very exciting. Thrilled about that. Also thrilled about the fact that we have a very special guest on today. This guy, it's funny how relationships happen because I've known this guy for, I've I've never met him in person. I've talked to him numerous times on, on Zoom and I think we had, uh, yeah, at some point we had a Skype call. But anyways, uh, he's a coach, he's a consultant, he's a workshop facilitator, he's a very spiritually grounded person, and if he's not, he keeps grounding himself as much as he can spiritually. Please help me welcome to the podcast, Brian Tohanna. Welcome, Brian. Whoosh, I've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> I love the entry. That's, uh, that's great. That's- we need sound effects, you know? <laughs> that's like straight out of uh, what uh, I dream of genie or something like that. I don't know. But uh, anyways, it's a, it's a thrill to have you here uh, today. We're going to talk about something different and I'm, I'm glad that you're here to, to share about this. One of the things we have covered on this podcast before is overcoming speaking anxiety. And we're, we're going to talk about it in a manner of speaking, but in a different manner of speaking, we're going to talk about speaking your truth. And this is, this is what you do every single day. I mean, truth and consequences is kind, of, is kind of what you do for work, is it not? It's interesting. I've been looking at some of the Facebook memories that I have. And Brene Brown talks about uh, vulnerability hangovers. And I don't necessarily have a vulnerability hangover in the way that she frames it, but certainly I can see how other people in my life who've met me through Facebook in the past have been very, even to this day, like, oh yeah, you like really put yourself out there and whatnot. And I I didn't really ever think of it in that way. It's just, this is what's true for me. So why would I not be okay saying that basically? But one thing I've noticed is a lot of people is we talk so openly and opinionatedly behind closed doors. But when it comes to like the public stage, it's like, no, we don't want to say the same things we just said anymore so to me there's you know a mismatch there it's like as soon as you as soon as you flip on the microphone everything that you've just said in private is now oh i can't say that or or as soon as you move your your your, for example your facebook typing your 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 text message as soon as you articulate it using your voice whether it be in video or whether it be just audio all of a sudden we either don't know how to articulate it or we go oh i can't say that i can share my opinion but i can't share it audibly and uh and that's not cool in the world of speaking you know you need to be able to do it i mean you need to be able to share your opinion and articulate it or your position on whatever it is you're talking about especially in business i mean in business you're the authority on whatever it is you're talking about or you should be so therefore you it's great that you can write a facebook post about it it's great that you can do you know you know a, a blog about it but you need to be able to say it just as much as you can write it Yeah. And I think my school of thought on that that I've appreciated from Gary Vaynerchuk has been, he's like, it's better to at least do something like find your medium. If it's podcast, it's video, if it's blog, if it's whatever, like put yourself out there in some way. But I like what you're saying in terms of at some point in time, if you actually want to own the authority or expert or whatever it is that you are, 
you're gonna hopefully be interviewed or something and have to speak eventually you know like why else would you be putting yourself out there is my question that's true. Not to mention the fact that, you know, it's been proven that one of the quickest, most effective ways to position yourself as an expert and to grow your grow a business is number one, write a book. So you can have published author on your on your resume or on your one sheet or on your business card. So published author, of course, but then also it positions your, you as an expert so that every time you speak, people see you as the expert. What I want to do is say this, and then I want you to expand on it, because I know when we were preparing for this podcast, you said this, we're all scared of each other. We're all scared of each other. So what do you mean by that, and how can you relate that to speaking? Yeah, so my first question to the audience is, you know, have, have you experienced that? So I'll start with part of my journey. We're all scared of each other. I didn't realize that until I really began coaching, I think. And I started to realize that no matter who I talked to, and even recently, I was part of a 21-day coaching intensive with high performers, CEOs, and whatnot from around the world. And the biggest theme was having courage to be yourself. Why does it take courage to be yourself in this world? That is what the fundamental exploration for me is in my book, Power of Permission, which is kind of setting yourself free, right? Speaking your truth, being yourself. Why is it so hard? And why on your deathbed, you know, there's this book by Bronnie War, um, top five regrets that people have on their deathbed. The top regret that people have on their deathbed, apparently, by this nurse who did palliative care, is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that other people expected of me. For me, you know, in terms of speaking, what we're up against is all of that programming, that socialization, the good, bad, right, and wrong that we learn in childhood is certain things are not okay, certain things are okay. Certain things are gonna be unacceptable, certain things are acceptable. And I think that's what we're up against internally. And we project that internal that those internal judgments onto our external reality. Sometimes they're true, but a lot of times the very things, I think I was listening to Seth Godin on this one, like the very things that some people will love us for, millions will hate us for the exact same thing, right? So we, we, we so easily cater to the critics, right? That one hater and suddenly I shut myself down and versus focus on the people who are actually going to benefit. But the people who benefit oftentimes aren't letting us know about it. The critics really stand out. <laughs> so what you're saying is, is navigating ourselves in some ways is a, is a bit of a minefield because not only are we navigating ourselves because that's what we do, we judge ourselves, but then we're also opening ourselves up to that, to that judgment, to that, uh, that critical mass to say yes or no, no, I don't like what you, what, what you have to say. And it goes back to, I'm researching right now the neurobiology of trauma, and okay. I can't speak too much to that, but I can speak to my general knowledge of where the fear of caring so much about other people's opinions of us and people-pleasing comes from. In childhood, we're completely dependent on our primary caregivers, usually our parents, but it could be grandparents, it could be whoever's primarily taking care of you, right? Right. And you learn at a very young age that anything that threatens your attachment relationship with those parents 
means that you're going to die, literally, because you're completely dependent on them. So you learn to repress certain traits or aspects of yourself or emotions, whatever thoughts and ideas, behaviors, to maintain that attachment relationship. Because anything that threatens that means I'm going to die. So that's what we're up against in speaking. I'm going to die if someone doesn't like me. That doesn't make sense in your mind because you know that you're not actually going to die consciously, but there's a part of your brain that is being set off that literally believes I'm going to die and that I'm going to be disconnected from my tribe, right? Shame and humiliation are actually worse than or equivalent to death because we have this image that we want to be projected in the public eye, right? And that image is what we've identified with. So the death of that image means the death of my me. That's a very interesting way to put it because quite often that does come up. People say, oh, public speaking, people fear it more than they fear death. I know that's, that's part of it. Yeah. I always attend to people fear it more than they do death. You know, which would you rather do, be eaten by a shark or give a presentation? Well, logically, we know we'd rather give the presentation, but part of it is because, as you said, the pre-programming that we've had years and years and years built into us, not only that, hey, this is what public speaking is supposed to be like, but our exposure to speaking is never the most positive. We never get enough um, reinforcement, positive reinforcement on, hey, you're doing great with that speaking thing. It's not until later when you're in college, university, or you know, like yourself in business and you go, oh, how's my speaking going? Oh, don't have any clients probably has something to do with my communication skills on how I'm positioning myself. But the, the one thing I wanted to share with you, and, and you, can, you can carry this through your, your, uh, with your thought, you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged. It, matter, it doesn't matter how good a speaker you are, even if you're a professional speaker, even if you're Winston Churchill and you're a great orator, you're still going to be judged. The key, though, is to get used to it. Yeah, so we're trained to seek external validation, to validate that what I said is good or okay, aligns with my self-image. So, I mean, that's what we're up against, right? This is this whole like self-empowerment movement, self-care movement, like moving away from codependent relationships movement that's happening as we kind of expand our consciousness is realizing, oh, if I look to anything outside of myself to validate who I am, I'm in a disempowered position, right? Because then I need something external to me to be a certain way to be happy or to express myself. And so if you, you, can, if you stay stuck there, you're going to be unhappy. I think part of the, the, the judgment too comes from how, what, uh, what, our per, what our perceptions are. Our perceptions are if the audience isn't riveted to what I'm saying, they're not, they're not listening. And, and that goes back to what I said about training. We're, we're not trained to understand that, you know, when, when you're speaking, there are seven to 10 distractions going through the average person's brain when you're speaking. Times that by 50 people in the room, that's a lot of distractions that, that you're dealing with. And if you don't understand that, uh, then firstly, it's hard to get your message across, but then it's very easy yourself to become distracted by whatever those distractions are, which can also deflect from whatever your message is. It's like, for me, it's this balance between, you know, finding my own connection to my own story and being interested in what I have to say and sharing it from that place of grounded in my own value. And it's like, okay, I care about what other people think, but ultimately I know this is valuable. So I'm just going to share it. And even if I can affect one person, I was speaking in high school recently. It was like, if I get through to literally one person, that's a huge win. 
And then also the, the other side of it is, but I also want to empathize with my audience and be charismatic and share stories and speak in a way that also engages them. But if I do too much of either, I'm disconnected from myself and the audience. You, you, uh, you make a very interesting point there about making that connection. I've often said that I don't care how many people are, are in the room. If I change one person's life from my message today, whatever it is, they needed to hear it. Their life has now changed. Then I've been successful. As well as, you know, have, have I entertained the entire room? Have I given them something to, something to think about? Uh, then to me, that's a point of success. Uh, my guest is Brian Tohanna today. We're talking on speaking your truth. And Brian, as, a, as I said off the top, is very spiritually grounded <laughs> and uh, continues to expand on, on, you know, his own spiritualism, but also his speaking and, and what he does in business and how he uses speaking as a, as a vehicle to get his message across, as well as other methods as well of marketing. Here's a point I want to uh, hit on as well, Brian, and I, I just want you to expand on this a little bit too, because it's a good spiritual point, but the, things that, the thing that you do to others is the thing that you're afraid of. So mm. how does that relate to the fear that people might have or the anxiety people might have about standing in their truth and speaking their truth? We are so quick to criticize because it's so easy. And the example that I give, and there's so many, is Tiger Woods, who goes from idle to hated by a lot of people, not everyone, you know. But it's so interesting to watch, or Michael Jordan recently in the Netflix mm -hmm. series, yeah, uh, The Last Dance, where how quickly, once you, the higher you get in this pedestal, the more people expect of you. And so as soon as he shows that he's human or, I mean, he just gambled larger amounts of money. He didn't actually even do anything wrong in the series, but, or Tiger Woods example, as soon as he shows his humanity and messes up, we are just all over people. And so if you want to create a culture of empathy and a culture of real safety for ourselves and each other, we have to begin to see, oh, I'm judging. I'm criticizing. I do that. The thing that I don't want others to do to me, I should probably look at myself. When and where and how am I doing that? Because it's so easy to jump to that. I was talking to someone recently and we were talking about empathy for, for one group of people, but then not this other. And I was like, but empathy goes both ways. It's always both ways. So it's so easy to discount ourselves and create an in-group and an out-group and say, they do that, they're bad people, I'm a good person, right? We don't want to see that I'm doing the very thing that I'm afraid of. It's interesting that you mentioned that because we see this a lot in the political world. We don't necessarily identify it as such. And obviously there's some strategy in the political world that, you know, th there's a reason why there's an opposition because they're supposed to oppose whatever the governing party does. But as soon as the opposition finds some kind of fault in the governing party, but then, then themselves is caught up in some other some other type of controversy or something like that, then it's almost, then it's, then it's, it's uh, not only is it, is it controversial, but it's, it's the whole pot kettle situation. And what we're up against to me too, on a spiritual level is our ego, right? There's this thing in us that takes everything personally, no matter what. So we're talked about my face, you know, my social media presence in the past, and it's been 
I used to shoot hundreds of videos and I haven't for a while. I've been recreating how I want to engage. I'm actually just in the middle of scheduling new posts and it's a whole new level of vulnerability for me. It's again, like re-entering the arena. There's that great quote that Brene Brown made famous by Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts. It's not mm. the man who points the finger. It's the one who's in the arena, right? That really matters. But so few people enter the arena because we don't want to be pointed at. So my point there is it's never easy. It's kind of like every time I go to an, another ecstatic dance, if anyone's been to an ecstatic dance, it's kind of free movement to music. And every time it's a new vulnerability. And that was my point about being in this group of coaches from around the world who have been doing this for 30 years. There's st still this unfamiliarity always takes courage to move into unfamiliarity and you're going to constantly be doing that. The resilience is it only gets easier because you start to build some reference experiences up in the past that say, okay, I didn't die. Which is a good thing. <laughs> I had a coach once tell me when I was starting in business, say, if you're, if you're comfortable, then you're not growing. So get comfortable being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Really. Get, get comfortable feeling like every day you're going to learn or do something or be challenged with something that's different, whether it's a thought, whether it's an idea, whether it's, whether it's uh, a client, whatever it is, get used to that being uncomfortable because that's where growth happens and that's where you really find out more the, the most probably about who you are and how you know deeply spiritual you can go and it's so e much easier carl to talk about than it is to do right that's one thing i really want people to get to that even though we're talking about this does not make it easy for me at all doesn't mean that i've conquered this because it's so easy to sound like that right and, and, and you make a very interesting point there, Brian, because I've often shared with people who are, who are struggling with their speaking, whether it's, whether it's you know, getting to that feeling place when they're giving a talk and they're, and they're practicing it, or whether they're dealing with the anxiety that can be associated with speaking. I say, you know, I'll say, you know what? I was there. Full disclosure, I used to stutter when I was younger. I, I know what it's like to feel like you're going to crap your pants on stage. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be terrified because again, somebody's judging you because you're not speaking properly. I know what it feels like to stand in front of an audience and not know my end point. I know that. Uh, but again, like you say, it, it's things you do every single day, whether it's meditation or some other type of, you know, getting in the right headspace and just even just practicing start, start today. And permission to fail is so huge, right? To not be mm. perfect. Progress versus perfection is so huge. That's what allows me. To, that's a big unlock for me. Permission to experiment, permission to fail, permission to make mistakes, mm. you know, um, because it's not going to be perfect. And like the number of videos that I've shot, probably like 99% of them, I will be like, yeah, I didn't feel like that connected to myself or whatever. And I can feel like a depth of connection in my own words when I'm speaking or after I'm re-listening. And I go, well, that's okay because that was who I was. You know, it's the number of people who are scared of watching themselves on video or even having a picture taken of them. It's like, that's what you sound like and that's what you look like. So this is an issue of self-acceptance. It's been a journey for me of like, I, I did a 30-day freestyling challenge where I recorded myself freestyling just for five minutes at a time, nonstop, 
And that was a really big opening for me of acceptance of self. And I've done it with a couple other people where it's so hard to, even though you know that the other person accepts you, it's like you don't know what's coming out of your mouth next. And you so badly want to rhyme. And like, and, and, and like there's this weird block that starts happening. But it's no different than really speaking. You know? True. Uh, and you know what? The best, I, I've said the best way to be authentic, because people say, oh, I, I'm try, just trying to be authentic. Well, the best way to be authentic is to be yourself. And really, it's, it's, and again, not easy to do based on what we've talked about today. The other thing too that I just wanted to touch on before we uh, wrap up today is a point that you made too about practice. And I used to say practice makes perfect because how many times have we heard that? Practice, 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 it'll be perfect then. But now I say perfect practice makes perfect. And I expect that that perfect practice you're going to do isn't going to be perfect at all. It's going to be a complete an utter train wreck. We have to lower times. our standards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an absolute, you know, one of them, their shows it's going to be, it's going to be completely disastrous, but that's like you said, that's where you give yourself that permission to grow. You give yourself that permission to expand and, and just, and just allow yourself to, to fail, fail. And there's a really fail in your practice. That's really freed me as well in terms of speaking your truth by Brad Blanton, Radical, Radical Honesty. He said, yesterday's truth is today's bullshit. In other words, truth changes. Truth changes. It's okay to have one truth yesterday and a different truth today and a different truth tomorrow. People are constantly trying to define us, to define myself. What are you? Are you vegetarian? Are you this? Are you that? I don't care. I don't, whatever you want to label me, just put a label on. That's not who I am. It's really freeing to be able to be fluid, basically. The only label I'm going to put on you, Brian, is Brian, because that's your name. (laughs) So that people after today can identify you as Brian. And if people do want to follow up with you, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? If they'd like to, you know, pick your brain for 30 minutes or whatever, what's the best way for people to reach out? Yeah, so my email is on my website, appliedempathy.ca. So that's where, and then I've got uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that jazz as well. But my website's probably the, the central hub. All right. It's been a great discussion, Brian, on speaking your truth, a bit of a, an interesting journey down the spiritual path of speaking and the spiritual path of you, not you personally, Brian, although you've shared a lot today and, and thank you for that, but how you, audience member listening, can uh, you know really step into your power and be the best you that you can be by allowing yourself to just be you. Brian, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Until next time, it's Carl Richards. Get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichards72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking. Speaking. 